Morning, Rach. Morning, Hugh. Good morning. Um, How are you? Not so bad, not so bad. I'm not sure of the smartness of saying morning on a podcast that someone could listen to in the evening. Um, But we'll see. It gives it authenticity. It does, yes. Like we've we've planned the time to do this and we are we are off. So um I we'll keep this short. Shall we get on with it? Let's do it. Let's do it. You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning, and welcome to episode 104 of the Real Reading Podcast. Like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Real Reading Podcast Group on Facebook uh, to find us. We have got some of the a view of some of the week's headlines, including uh, car park threatening potatoes, which you know Hugh's got uh, Hugh's got some things to tell us about on that one. I feel like I'm um, going to have a lot of questions about that. <laughs> um, a one-way system in Caversham that's left one of our panels scratching her head, uh, and we try and understand why Reading keeps being voted a great city when it's not. Um, we're also joined today by guest presenter Becky Stevens. Hello, Becky. Hi. Um, you are part of Reading's Urban Indie Market. Are you one of you one of the founders? Is that is that I fair? Am the founder, yes. The founder, okay. Um, and uh, so you're part of you're part of that. That's one of the things that you do. And you are also a former Reading Evening Post employee, like us. I am. That was a lifetime ago. It feels like it, doesn't it? A long, long time ago, sat in that building on Tessa Road. Those were dreams in that tiny little IT room with me. Yes, give you your full <laughs> title, which is which is Becky from IT. <laughs> <laughs> which Have you only just found out that's not her surname, Hugh? Yeah, jobs included, <laughs> changing the tone of the IT. printer. <laughs> oh, she was the one that kept us all in shape and organised. Very true. So it was an important mm-hmm. job. It was an important oh, basically, job. Basically, what like Jen from the IT crowd. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know anything about IT at all. But you do how to direct the people ago, who yeah. do know. Exactly. <laughs> um, so this week's big interview is with Ashley Pierce. He, Ashley is the councillor for Church Ward in Reading uh, and he is the lead councillor for education, which is timely with schools about to head back and all the head scratching questions that come with it. So we will be talking to Ashley a little later on. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, um, Becky, I don't know if you listened to last week's podcast. It wasn't a prerequisite to coming on and being a guest presenter with us, but um the we had a a story about the loop the loop man um who uh, or or woman because um people were keen to point out that um it could also be a woman um and that was something we did point out on the podcast but generally the name that was on social media when when this story went around was the loop the loop man but uh you know loop the loop person just doesn't quite have the but i am aware of a loop the loop person (laughs) 
um, so we we had uh, we did have some feedback. This is one of the we don't get a lot of feedback, and that is either because. Um, you know, people are just quite happy listening along and, and whatever, or, or we don't really ask, you know, too many big questions, but the loop, the loop man certainly has raised, uh, raised some feedback. And, and actually we've had an email, um, which, which is unusual. We've had an email, uh, and we shall call her, I think, detective Alice. So, uh, shall I read the email to you guys? Okay, go on. Is she cool. going to solve Good. the mystery for us? Well, um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Hugh, just just so you know, nodding yes is not quite good enough on a uh, audio medium. Um, no, a... but I would also argue, Tom, that saying "shall I read the email" giving us a choice to say no was also not that great audio <laughs> either. So... Fair. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Right. Hi, Tom, Rachel, and Hugh. How are you getting on with solving the mystery? Short answer: We're not. Um, from the angle they mostly fly off after a session, I'm guessing they're from West London Aero Club, WLAC, flying from White Waltham, which I think was where we were thinking it probably came from. She says, mm. uh, Detective Alice says, it's not just Sundays, they appear on any sunny day, so they must have a lot of free time, and whoever they are appear in many different coloured planes. So they must be very rich, or maybe it's professionals giving lessons or just fun experience flights. The aerobatics have been going on for many years, guessing at least 10, maybe 20. Where are they from, and why do they fly over Tilehurst and Thiel? Maybe there's a rotor for aerobatic pilot practice, and our area has the set time slot every morning and afternoon, and other areas have different times. Maybe this happens all over Berkshire. Where can I join in on the discussions? It's a total mystery, and I want to help solve it. Detective Alice. And I, I, I point <laughs> out that I have, have coined Detective Alice. Um, Detect <laughs> Alice is her real name, but she may or may not be a real-life detective. I don't know. However, she has also sent a map that says, who are they and where do they fly from? It's got two little nice graphics on it, and she's pointed all of the airfields uh, around Reading. So there's uh, there's a heliport at Ascot Racecourse, Fair Oaks Airport, Farnborough, Blackbush. Blackbush we weren't sure about, but that is definitely there. White Waltham Airfield, uh, Chilton, Furs Farm, Basingstoke, Popham, Lasham, Bourne Park and Charles Church. Um, so it's so, a so plenty of opportunity there. Hugh, I know um, in response to uh, the sort of the te set time slot and, and where they can fly, you had you did some research into this during the week, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I found out. Um, I found some a document uh, that I'm just going to read from. Okay. Uh, stop noise! Stop noise over Whitchurch. So there's a um, s <laughs> snow, um, <laughs> possibly named after the uh, 1990s rapper. Um, the the group is investigating what steps can be taken to reduce or eradicate the noise nuisance to Whitchurch on Thames residents caused by light aircraft doing aerobatics over the village. And it's only snow is only concerned with Whitchurch on. Whitchurch on Thames and only with aerobatic aircraft and this is the progress report on August the 19th so it's very new right. it's not an old it's not an old document um, and they say it's White Waltham Airfield as well okay um, certain populated areas for example Reading are marked as no-go areas for aerobatics Whitchurch on Thames and Pangbourne are not marked as no-go areas uh, they're working with White Waltham Airfield to try to address and settle noise complaints as 
far as is reasonably practical. Um, aerobatics are typically done at 3,000 feet. Oh. Uh, and they have, there's a phone number, which I'm not going to read <laughs> out. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's an action group um, trying to look into this as well. So, from what you, from what the detective says, Tom, it sounds like there might be quite a few different pilots. Yes, it does sound sound like. Um, oh, we've also had a tweet. One of the, basically the social media reaction was mostly people annoyed by the noise, and there were a few people who said they love it. But one of the tweets we got was from Adrian Lawson, um, who said the loop the loop man question mark. There are several planes that come to the area, mostly from White Waltham, as it is a designated area, and some of them are piloted by women. I do reiterate, we did point out that it could be a woman in last week's podcast, um, but uh, and all of them are a noise nuisance, which you know, I I, I don't know one way or the other but yes yeah, so, the, so the story rumbles on but we think it's white waltham um i do think from the social media reaction it's going to be very difficult for us to actually speak to any of them and if any of them would want to come forward and talk to us um they might have to have their voice changed yes and, uh, be silhouetted and, yes and or, yes sit, sit in the dark um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's move on. Um, if you have anything more about the loop the loop person, um, if you if you would like to um, further what the the good detective has uh, told us, then here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, right, uh, this week, it sh- is it this week, Rach? It should be Reading Festival. Well, it's bank holiday weekend, yes. isn't it? Yeah, so should it's Wednesday be. today. Jelly We're recording on Wednesday, so people will should be starting to arrive. Yes. And obviously they're not. It's, and it's very sad. Be- now, Becky, I, you strike me, and if I remember rightly, you were a, you were a big Reading Festival goer. Have I got that right? They were my people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now we obviously we all worked in the the Tessa Road uh, Reading Evening Post Office back in the day, and it was one of the great moments of the year when um, they were always labelled the great unwashed on on uh, on social media or in the old get reading comments box but i just i i never had a problem with them i thought it was brilliant that all these people came to town and it was always such a good vibe would, uh, would you would you agree becky absolutely i think when we used to watch them from the office i was probably what maybe 22 and i they were still very much yeah my people um <laughs> <laughs> but if i was still in the office and watching them arrive i would be very jealous because yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there with them. Um, and yeah, I think it was a lot of fun. I think the only time it was a problem when maybe, you know, they used the wall outside the office as a toilet or something like that. But yeah. That was, Ooh, yeah. I don't think that was day one. I think that was uh, maybe a, <laughs> a little bit further down the weekend. <laughs> I think my one of my favourite things was always sort of seeing these these kids show up and get dropped off outside our building um, with like you know they'd, they'd be wearing sort of really stylish clothing. These are, these are young kids being dropped off by their parents in their in these these sort of big cars, and they'd have they'd have nice rucksacks or nice um, suitcases and stuff. And you're thinking it's going to rain. I've seen the forecast. Why? Why <laughs> you? Why, why are you? Yeah. Um, and and no, even if it wasn't, I can't imagine it. Anything came back in a 
in a mint condition. Um, well, I Rachel, do remember you... that that they all yeah they all used to get dropped off by their parents outside our our building, didn't they? And they, I just remember thinking that oh, oh this is sound awful, but particularly the girls would be getting out and thinking that they all looked really like quirky and unique and look at me I'm really cool um on my way to the festival but because we saw them all they all looked <laughs> they all the looked same, same. <laughs> yes <laughs> with varying degrees of perhaps colored in their hair and stuff but they all had their wellies their denim hot pants like you said they're very expensive rucksacks that are going to get absolutely trashed within about two minutes and probably left there to be <laughs> um, it was always quite yeah, a bustling, it, busy, busy space, wasn't it? I think it was a taxi rank outside. That's always very busy. Yeah, and we see, did. You see the taxis. Sorry, Rach. You'd see the uh, the taxis turn up, and the, but you'd also see the mid, the middle class parents drop them off in their Range Rovers, and like yeah. as they walked away, just get sort of shouting after them, giving them last minute advice: "Don't take any drugs," or you know, "Don't get too drunk." You know, as these these worried parents send their fifteen year olds off for three days at the festival. I think a few years didn't we give out little packs on the forecourt at the front to people? Yes. I remember standing it's out there giving. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I mean, it probably had absolutely useless. I remember so unless it had some a can of, the... of beer and some baby wipes. I can't imagine they would be interested. But... I, I remember some of the things that used to go because I used to help make up the packs at times. So these packs we were giving away, basically anything that was left in the promotions department would just go into these bags. And I remember one year it was there were these weird <laughs> sweets that apparently had some sort of. Um, uh, 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 sort of effect on your digestive system somewhat. <laughs> that is not what you need no. when you're using um, for the weekend. But also, I also remember just like <laughs> stuffing condoms into into bags as well. Um, that because oh, oh, oh. They, 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 it was um, yeah, it was safety first, Thomas. Safety first. It was good. T good times. Good fun times. Um, Becky, I feel like you're 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 probably the most in tune with with the festival scene out of all four of us. What what was going to Reading Festival? I'm the least. Ah, I feel like that's a slight against me and Hugh. We're we're cool no, too. No, I'm the least. I'm the least. <laughs> okay. Well, the I'm cool. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Rachel. How, how about I come to you in just a minute after Becky? Yeah. Is, no, uh, I think Becky probably us. got it covered. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I think I started going when I was about sixteen. Um, and when I think back to that first time, I can't believe my parents let me go, to be honest. Um, I shan't share that on, on here. Um, <laughs> I think it still is a lot of fun. I still go. I can't handle it for three days. I'm too old. Um, and it's definitely still a massive fashion show. Um, but you see so many really cool bands. And, you know, it's very going to get to being in one field, seeing just, what, hundreds of acts, from massive ones, small ones. You can discover kind of new favourites. Um, it's just, it is brilliant. I think festival goers do get a bit of a bad name, but they're just living their best lives. Did you notice, Becky, over the years that you were going, a shift in the type of music that was, was played there? And did that absolutely. affect how you felt about it? Yeah, absolutely. If I go now, 
Um, well, I again, I don't know if it's an age thing. If I go now, I barely recognise any of the acts on the lineup. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think um, there has been a shift into maybe a kind of you know, more dancier kind of acts, I want to say. But even just saying that makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm very much a kind of guitar-y indie girl. And while well, that's still there, there's just not as much of it as maybe there used to be. Is, and is that the sort of the, there's, less, there's less of that as well, I think. Is that sort of just the changing of the of the times and the levels of popularity of things? Would would a would a festival that was all would Reading Festival full of metal music or full of sort of indie indie rock music would that bring the crowds like it does? I I don't know. Probably not at the moment, but you know these things have cycles and it'll probably come back around again. Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I really knew what the kids are into these days, but <laughs> they still turn up in their droves, so I think it absolutely suits, suits the people that are going. Which I guess is, is fair enough. I think one thing, Rach, that you that you raise is that actually the, with the festival not going ahead this year, there's certainly a, there's a there's an impact economically, um, particularly with businesses yeah. nearby. You know, I was my first thought was the gorge. Uh, the Gorge Cafe on the on the corner, you know, but also you know Caversham and and I suppose even Tesco on uh, Portman Road is gonna is gonna have an there's gonna be an effect because they would have probably budgeted for the festival weekend. You would think there's going to be a lot of uh, cans well, of pop. It, it would have been a Tesco. huge economic boost weekend for Reading ordinarily. With I can't remember how many people come in. It's like. I mean, hundred thousand is it? It's mil- yeah. literally millions. Um, <laughs> it's like and, a day, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's a lot. So to miss out on that that um, economy boost when we're already obviously in a not very good situation with COVID, um, it, it's a shame. Because I, I just, I was saying to you guys yesterday, I. Can't, can remember back I must have been about 17 I think when I was at college and I was working in the BHS cafe at the time <laughs> um I like to call myself a chef but microwave technician is probably more accurate uh and I remember on the festival Saturday morning I cooked 200 fry-ups for people which for a 17 year old I mean that it it goes on my cv to be honest it's an achievement <laughs> so we just haven't that's, got that level of that sounds uh, pretty daunting God. yes i hope you got all the eggs right <laughs> yeah eggs <laughs> are the hardest bit aren't they? Yeah. Uh, i guess i guess it, it you know i don't think we, we we probably don't know what the economic impact is but it'd be interesting to know kind of what the festival brings in to to the economy uh during that period of time and certainly um had Mm. we put any any actual long-term planning into this we possibly could have tried to speak to a couple of the businesses but um maybe that's one for your for your news list Hugh, to uh to see sort of what what businesses are doing this weekend it's already on my news list tom i'm well into the uh well into it so amazing couple of days amazing excellent right okay well um that was uh, that was um, that was interesting. We will move on and have a little chat about this week's news headlines.
Okay, news headlines this week. Now, um, first up, I think we I couldn't go any further when I was looking through uh, the Berkshire Live website this week when uh, I saw a story about Reading Station car park that could collapse because of a small crop of potatoes. Now, Hugh, tell me about this story because it's ridiculous. This is absolutely classic angry people in local newspaper. Oh yeah, this is proper local Connor. news. Yeah, this is yeah. this is this is where it's at. Um, yeah, so. I spotted this on the, on the Facebook page of a group called Guerrilla Gardening. So Guerrilla. Yeah. Like like militant movements rather than ape, giant apes. Um, and uh, they put a picture up of their potato crop, which is just on a little patch of land by Reading Station Car Park off Aston Road. I, you'd know is it, it where the bench it. and yeah. flowers and things are? Uh, just yeah, as you come over the pedestrian crossing from Thames Water, just there. Yeah, it is. That's their little yeah. gorilla yeah. garden. That's their little bit. Okay. It is there, yes. And they've been growing, they, they, they've, been, they've been working on that little patch of land for about five years. And um, it's really small. Um, but they've had a run in with Network Rail, who have written them a letter saying, of raising various concerns about what they're growing, uh, which include potatoes and um the humble spud is certainly causing an issue um and the letter the letter says that the um the potato crops roots could grow underneath the car park and cause structural damage um and therefore that they need to be removed um (laughs) Apparently, there are various other trees around different parts of the car park which are actually causing structural damage to the um, to the car park, which which are also being worked on, which has nothing to do with gorilla gardening. But um, uh, yes, it's potatoes and a what they call a pernicious weed, um, which called oh, forgive, me, worst forgive me, forgive me, um, how I, when I try and pronounce what this pernicious weed is called a. Budlia. Okay. Apologies Budlia? to Alan Titchmarsh. Is that a wee? That's what Network Rail have labelled it as, perhaps slanderously. I don't know. I'm no expert. I'm um, no expert. It, it, it's not the first, this isn't the first case of gorilla something that I've, I've come across. Um, I remember a few years ago in Dorking, they, were, they had some gorilla knitters and they used to, they used to knit. Uh, there's a big like sculpture of a cockerel on a roundabout in Dorking and, um, in, in Dorking in Surrey, and uh, they used to do a hat and a scarf for this uh, for this cockerel on the roundabout, and it was uh, it was especially during the winter, and they were they were Dorking gorilla knitters or something like that. But um, yeah, it, I thought that was a uh, was very strange. So it's it's the actual spud could bring down the car park, is is what we're saying, Hugh. Uh, not quite, no. Okay. <laughs> when I heard the headline, I thought. You were going to say like somebody had snuck up and planted a little crop on level four or something, and that it was like growing <laughs> into the wall and causing it to crumble or something. Well, I've I never seen a potato no. plant big enough. Are yeah, potato roots that big? That's why the garden. The gardeners say that everything they're doing is too small to cause any damage, but they're perfectly happy to work with Network Rail on whatever Network Rail is asking for because they, they own the land. So, um, so it's a it's it's quite a good. It's not. a massive row by any means it's quite a good natured thing it's just one one party asking the other to 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 make a few changes really um but there is this structural damage thing um 
potential structural damage. I think Network Rail is perhaps being a little bit overly cautious with it all, but they, you know, they have they have various things they have to keep to in terms of they're not allowed to grow anything up the side of the car park, for example, right. um, which apparently was already there. Um, and so, yeah, they're just sort of, you know, having talks about what can and can't be done there, I think. Becky, if you were going to do some guerrilla gardening, what would you grow? Oh, I don't know. Something that attracts bees and stuff, I reckon. Not what? Yeah, well, I not just googled buddlier, and that's called the butterfly bush or plant or okay. something. Yeah, so they that, love would, it. that would be a nice one. I think buddlier just grow really fast and really huge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is a problem if you're growing it. Somewhere like the train station. It's the pernicious weed label, yeah. Exactly. Lovely stuff. Um, I forgot. Becky's a bit of a plant lady. She loves a plant. House plant, though. House plant. I'm not great. I have to say, yeah. Um, Rach, this one's all on you. Caversham one-way system. What is it? I know Hugh's covered it before with Mm. the the temporary uh things for for covid the temporary changes to to traffic situations but the caversham one-way system has been causing you to scratch your head uh, a little bit this week tell us a little bit about it yeah so this came into effect on monday i think um so ordinarily if they were going to be changing use of roads then there'd be some kind of signage up as an advanced warning that as of this date, this is happening and you won't be able to drive down here anymore. Um, I don't remember seeing any of that, but there were road signs like stop, do not enter, go this way type ones, but they, the permanent ones, but they just had a carrier bag over them. So you just was like, well, I assume I don't have to adhere to that because someone's put a bag over it. Uh, on Monday, the bags came off, which means that now where Westfield Road, which comes down the side of Westfield Park, down towards the um, Fox and Hounds pub, you can only come southbound down the hill on that. When you get to the bottom, you can now turn left or right, so left towards George Street and Gos- along Gosport Road, or right back into Caversham. Um, but that little stretch between the Fox and Hounds and Waitrose on th- of the Gosport Road is now uh, one way going towards Caversham. Right. So it's, so talking from a personal point of view, if I'm driving into Caversham, it's fine. I just go along the Gosbrook Road all the way in. When I want to come home, I've now got to go up Prospect Street to the lights at the Prince of Wales and turn right and either come down Westfield Road or go along the Hedney Road. Um, The reason they've done it... I think I I did read a, a post from the councillor uh, Adele Barnett Ward. Is it? Is that her surname? Um, and there was it's related to COVID and social distancing. Apparently, that little stretch of uh, Gosbrook Road, the the footpaths are really narrow. So when we were in lockdown proper, and there weren't any cars on the road, if you were walking and somebody came the other way, you could pretty safely step into the road to give them a wide berth but now things are getting towards some kind of normality or new normal um, there's more cars it's not safe to do that and you can't safely get past each other so they've closed the one carriageway of the, the road 
for cyclists and pedestrians to walk along. Um, I don't know if it's a temporary thing whilst COVID is in place and a problem, or if this is this is going to sort of go on for for ages. But uh, on the Facebook groups that I follow, there was it wasn't ever so popular the first few days. Whether that's just people getting used to it, but there was a lot of pictures of um, traffic backing up along the Gosbrook Road heading into Caversham. Um, yeah, it just, I guess I can see their point. It just seems quite a dramatic change for I'm not sure what gain, really. Well, I, I remember I did when I went to the Fox and Hounds um, a, probably a couple of months ago now. Um, walking along there, it, obviously that path is very thin and you do have to walk in the yeah. road. And as you say, that was fine. So we can kind of see it from, from that perspective. And I think, obviously ensuring that pedestrians are safe that's important um but equally uh you know get people come as we've discussed regarding transport and bridges and all sorts of things many times that part of red that part of greater reading i suppose is is chock full of traffic and making it more difficult to get into reading is not ideal or even making it more difficult to get into caversham isn't ideal um, and it's such a tiny piece of road that it benefits from a pedestrian and yeah. cyclist point of view. Um, and also it'll affect things like, um, you know, some of the bus routes. Um, I think the one from Sonning Common actually comes down Prospect Street and then ordinarily would go left along the Gosbrook Road and into town that way. But it obviously can't do that anymore. So... It'll have it'll have impact on on things, um, and yeah, and coming back from yeah, I don't know. It just feels a bit <laughs> bit dramatic for not a huge amount of gain. I get yeah. that they're sort of gearing everything. We talked last week or the week before about encouraging cycling and making it safer, and I get all of that, but I don't know. It just seems like a huge inconvenience for motorists for a tiny benefit yeah. yeah all right um hugh can you just quickly can you remember if it was temporary or not just from from when you when we were looking before uh i don't think so okay could be cool. wrong i don't know much i really don't know much, <laughs> I really don't know much about it i'm afraid um fine i've done very little work on it so um I can't imagine it would be temporary, or if it's temporary, it's temporary in the sense that local councils love, which will mean about five years. <laughs> All right, well, we move on to I the... It would have been better putting a good speed limit in there, like a really low speed limit, just to... Five mile an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, um, the cars and the, the pedestrians have to travel at the same speed. I'm yes. uh, I'm very eager to talk about this next story, which is uh, about Reading being named one of the world's best cities, uh, despite it being a town. Now, Hugh, I know you wrote this. Um, can I just get a quick uh, straw poll from everybody? Does anyone care whether Reading is a city or not? Put your hand up if you care. No, okay, right. So that's a unanimous... Oh, I don't really care. That's a unanimous, we don't care if Reading's a city or not. Are you bothered I if... I think I prefer us being the biggest town. I think that feels better than being the smallest city. 
Becky is someone who runs a sort of uh, an like a, a local independent. I want to say business. Is it is it a business or is it just a, a hobby? Um, let's say it's a business. Hobby sounds a bit blasé. <laughs> it, it does take a lot of work. Does it make um, any difference to you whatsoever whether Reading is a town or a city as a local businesswoman? No, I don't think so. I don't see how it would. I don't think we're going to attract people in from miles around either that would care whether or not was a city market or a town market <laughs> so <laughs> hugh then get, what, what what why does reading keep getting bunched up uh with cities is it just because it's big it's quite or near london okay that's the reason it not it's not technically a city but um it has so many things that cities have that it keeps on getting put quite high up in these world rankings, which include, so for example, in this ranking, it's alongside Montreal, San Francisco, and Houston, which I haven't crunched the numbers, but I'm pretty sure are much bigger than Reddy. <laughs> um, and, but it has the same sort of levels of um, things like connectivity. And uh, there's a lot of business buzzwords in this. Um, but yeah, like, economic potential, human capital and lifestyle, cost effectiveness, connectivity and business friendliness, as well as keen interest for foreign foreign investors as well. Um, so while it's not technically a city, it punches above its weight with the big boys around the world. This is this uh, this top this latest it's in all it, it often gets into these charts. It was it was named one of Europe's most biggest most fast-growing cities or something uh, a few months ago, along with Newbury and Slough as well. Um, right. Which, of, what do we know about those two places? Nothing. They are also not, not cities. cities <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's to do with it's to do with whatever the measure is. Reading features quite highly, and whatever yeah. the me- measure of these. Do you, do you, just out of interest, do you think? Um, do you think that, like, in Montreal, which I think we could all sit here and go, oh, that sounds nice, or Houston, which we think sounds sort of quite... But we, the, all these other cities, do you think there are people on the Facebook pages of the Montreal advertiser at the bottom of it going, who would want to move to Mo- Montreal, soulless hole with overpriced flats? And a, do, you think, do you think people are doing that in those places that live there? I don't know. I think everyone... It's a trait of everyone who lives anywhere <laughs> to moan about it, but... Um... Do you think uh, people like in, in New Orleans and, and, and are doing that, or, or other exotic such places? Even I don't like- know. I, I think places. I don't know. People in there seems to be a real negativity about a lot of things going on in Reading. Or shall we say? I'd just like to point out for for legal reasons that wasn't us saying that. That was really a comment from someone. I was going to say, was that a quote, Tom? It doesn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or no. is that your thoughts? That no, comment uh, does not I, represent the views of anyone on this podcast. It was a comment I read off the Facebook page of Stir from a screen grab at the bottom of one of a of a Berkshire Life story from an individual. It is absolutely not my opinion or comment. Um, and I will make that clear to Mr. Pierce later on. But, uh, <laughs> I certainly don't think that. Um, although he did make me buy him a coffee to get on the, uh, to get him on the podcast. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything about that. Um, okay. Well, uh, in that case, then that is it for part one. In part two, we will be chatting with Councillor Pierce. Uh, we're chatting all about education and stuff.
The Big Interview. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am on a video call with Council Ashley Pierce. Hello, Ashley. Hello. How are you? How are you? Not so bad at all. Not so bad at all. Um, now, we I've got you on because you are the lead councillor for education in Reading. Um, yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, there's the small matter of kids going back to school in a coronavirus pandemic. And I thought it'd be wise to talk to the man. Not, you, would you say you're in charge of the kids going back to school or is it is it a responsibility? What, what's the process for you? I think each uh, individual school is is in charge of their own sort of area, and I think that's that's wise, and that's the best. Then people nearest to the um, nearest to the parents, the kids, the teachers, they know their communities best. Um, I, I suppose I've just got uh, a responsibility to to ask questions and ensure everything's uh, running smoothly. What uh, so? What, what have you been doing? Um, Sorry, I did have an end to that question, but I started coughing in between. <laughs> Carry on. Um, lots of discussions and lots of meetings and lots of um, questions, really, with different organisations, including the schools, including um, the, the council. We've had um, lots of transport discussions. Um, the Public Health England, or, or whatever they're now called, also involved. Uh, Brighter Futures for Children, who, who work with our, our children's services. Um, so lots of discussions, meetings, uh, emails ab about the processes of what's in place when um, more kids go back next week. Sorry about that. I started coughing right in between, uh, right as I was asking you a question, if it seemed uh, quite blunt to any of our listeners. <laughs> um, I'm not sure whether I'll be able to edit that out or not, so I'll put this in just to just to cover that that point um obviously go, going back to school you know it, it's a it's sort of similar to to kind of trying to get people to go back to work i suppose and i've seen lots of ingenious ways of of keeping kids apart and i suppose um we're being told that children have a have a reduced risk of infection and all of that sort of thing um are there any specific things that you've had to kind of put in place what, what's the advice at the moment for, for for getting kids back to school just you know just I suppose for parents really that are listening yeah so I think there's a there's a couple of aspects to it really. there's, there's getting to school uh, which is a big um, element we're obviously encouraging if if parents and children can that they uh, walk and cycle more to school um, we've been working very closely as one of the organizations with Reading buses um, that they've we, we've been able to get specific routes so buses that might have been open to the whole public on some routes in, at that time of day obviously only in the morning will be um, sort of student specific buses which obviously limits the interaction that, that pupils and, and kids will have with the wider public um, we're, we're looking into it it won't be ready for next week but hopefully sometime in the future um, we've had a, a few signs of interest in our school streets which if a school is um, eligible for it and it works well in, in particular areas we'd close the, the road off at pick up and drop off times so that encourages the walking and cycling uh, and we're hoping also on the transport to have a, a website portal go uh, live I think it's the end of this week beginning of next week where parents can sort of put in their address and school and it will give them the best walking route or the best bus route to try and make things as easy as possible so from the transport side getting them to um, school there's lots of measures there and then at school it, it's really going to be all of our schools have undertaken their risk assessments and, and the safety checks which have been done in conjunction with the, the teaching unions um, 
and then each individual school will be slightly different. Uh, lots of schools that I'm aware of obviously already have things like one-way systems, but that will be, uh, I think, more enforced and more common at pretty much every school, obviously. So then you, you're, again, limiting that interaction kids with ha have with everyone. Um, staggered start and, and end times are going to be pretty common, I think. So it might be by a few minutes. It might be, I don't know, by half an hour, an hour. So, again, we're just limiting that contact with um, with different groups of people. A big talk of uh, bubbles and things in the news in, in recent months. And really all that means is you, you if at primary school, you stay with your class. So you'll be in the same classroom or you'll go to lunch at the same time in that secondary school it's slightly trickier but different schools are doing different things with again just limiting the amount of pupils they might you see so they might have um timetabling be slightly different so the school uh, i work at we're, we're going to three lessons a day longer lessons a day rather than the five that we had so you, you limit um the interaction and then there'll just be lots of you know the, the, the advice that has been given all, all throughout uh, schools obviously bought lots of um, hand sanitizer. There's lots more washing stations, and, and they'll be encouraged to wash their hands and, and things like that. And you know, it's, it's going to be a lot. A lot's going to be different, but I think a lot's going to be the same as well when when pupils do go back. I think um, just sort of yeah, sort of talking through the the processes and what schools are going to go through. I, I was thinking like as a as an adult who who goes to the pub and and you know I've I've been I've been out a few times to have a have a drink or two, and and I have a I have a choice as an adult as a paying customer whether I uh, in this current environment as to whether I think this pub is safe to go to, um, whether they're adhering to the rules and whether the people in there I can make a decision over the people in there whether they look like they are sticking to the rules. It, it, for, sort of putting that onto onto a school and i don't mean necessarily going for a drink but putting that sort of situation onto a school i i would suspect there are probably a huge number of adults out there parents out there and probably some children some young children as well who might be quite worried about going back and and i suppose going into a situation is, is there anything in place for for children that are concerned about going back to school and and also children going back to school and maybe they don't feel safe maybe they think that their school isn't dealing because every school will i am sure will be doing their absolute utmost but there will be one or two who who get things wrong um i'm sure i'm you know that that's bound to happen in in the law of averages i'm sure um so it, what what's in sort of in place for those for those kids that might be nervous but also kids and parents who sort of are going to school and think maybe actually th this school isn't doing enough yeah, on, on the students, are, some students are bound. You know, it's inevitable that some students are apprehensive, apprehensive and nervous. It's been a, it's been a long time for some students. Obviously, that's you know six months, um, not not sort of being in a classroom. Um, we we had a summer transition program for some of those students uh, that were going from year six into secondary school, about nearly a hundred, I think, where there was a bit of extra support. Um, and th there's a website from Bright Futures for Children called Couth uh, K O O T H, where students can log on if there are, are you know nerves and anxiety where there's guidance advice they can speak to someone on the phone or, or, or sort of or whatsapp and, and organize it organize a meeting um and then in terms of you know if if our schools have worked as, as you said you know incredibly hard throughout lockdown and then through the summer to make sure that the necessary measures are in place so i've got every faith that our schools um are, are ready and students will be safe as you said if there is some you know extreme circumstance where students or parents don't feel um, safe the first port of call obviously should be to speak to the school lots of it will probably just be a sort of 
probable misunderstanding um and if they're still not happy obviously they can they can contact me directly but you know speak to to the council your local councillors and, and obviously then we can um intervene and, and have a have a word with the school but um i'm, I'm sure that that won't be the case because yeah I, I th that, that, that's good to know i guess because I, I i i assume sort of all it takes is for that maybe that one key person who knows most of the situation to be off sick for a day mm -hmm. at a school and you know and perhaps someone less experiences but you know all being well it all being well we'll uh we'll, we'll move on so you're feeling quite confident about the situation going forward in in reading borough yeah i think the as, you know, i'll keep going back to our, our leaders have worked incredibly hard and all the school staff um and you know it's when you see other politicians talk about schools reopening always at a, a point to make they never close and it pretty much every one of our schools remained open it was you know a which actually in, in lead up to this was actually probably quite beneficial because obviously all the measures that have been put in that I discussed earlier, that would have been very difficult to do if a school was full. But actually when schools were open from um, April onwards to, to sort of key workers and, and those vulnerable children, it allowed schools to try and put things in place. So actually it's had a relatively long lead and obviously guidance and things have changed and there's always going to be a bit of a rush when we're welcoming back hundreds more students next week but there has been quite a long lead-in to, to the, um, the the process that will happen next week um just just moving it on from from sort of covid19 and, and moving it on to sort of hopefully the future of, of of reading schools um we're seeing a lot of developments and 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 a lot of developments spring up in fact on this on this podcast we talked earlier about uh reading golf course where there's going to be several hundred houses built and um you know what how are provisions for school places going on are we going to see a large number of new schools built or are we gonna, you know what's the what's the council and what's what's your thinking in terms of school provision going forward yeah we've got a pupil place planning team at bright futures for children who are actually that our education sort of feedback um, stats of how well and basically every year and over a three five year period they they predict based on things like census data and the local plan like you said with, with buildings uh, and the demographics that are going through um, and actually we come out very well in our predictions we're you know we're in the last couple of years we're very, very rarely off the percentage that we that we say um, in the last few years we we've had uh, obviously um, the Wren school and Maiden early in Reading they're now up to sort of GCSE level so five or so years open they open because of the capacity needed there as you mentioned the, the golf course um, we had the Heights primary school in north of the river um, that's awaiting its uh, permanent new new building um, we've got the River Academy, which will be uh, by Rivermead School, which will be a new secondary school online um, in two or three years' time that will take six, six to eight um, uh, classes of entry. Um, Green Park in the south, uh, primary school is opening in September, so they'll be opening their doors next week. Obviously, that was tied to the Green Park development down there and as, as they move, move through. Um, and then, and then there is some, we obviously have the place planning meetings regularly, and there is some at primary, there's some um, spare capacity uh, north of the river that some of those schools can fill up if um, the the golf course and things like that go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, we're constantly looking at it, constantly looking ahead. And it, it's a tricky business of, of thinking, you know, planning developments. If, if they, these planned developments are going to have kids, you know, it might just be young adults without kids. Uh, if these things go ahead, if people move in and out of the area. Uh, but as I say, we've, um, you know, touch wood in the past, we've had a, a decent record of, of predicting. So hopefully that 
that continues. <laughs> um, it, it just occurs to me, sort of lots of schools potentially opening at the same time or a similar period of time. Um, how, how do you kind of go about getting enough staff and getting good enough quality teachers and, and, and other staff to fill these places? Because I can imagine like suddenly opening uh, three new schools in a, in a borough or a sort of over a couple of boroughs and, and, and suddenly you've, you've gone, you're needing, I don't know, I'm mean, off the top of my head, I guess a hundred new staff, <laughs> something like that. How do, you, how do you go about making sure yeah. that there's enough and quality? And in recruitment and in teaching is actually more retention is, is often the, the issue of, of keeping staff there. Um, but we've got the, the fact that I think to sell that Reading is a, obviously a very, it's a great place to live, as you know, some, but it's a, it's a <laughs> dynamic place to live. Um, there, there's lots of opportunity in Reading for, said with those, those young schools, what you get often is quite vibrant new teams where promotion and things is, is prevalent and and you know is possible whereas maybe in some older institutions it might be sort of different in their way so um things like <laughs> the government announcing a couple of weeks ago about uh teachers pay will, will go up uh 2.7 on average not everyone's going to get it but especially at the lower end they will get it that will help hopefully um but we, we again we've been quite lucky in the last couple of years that we it's a challenge recruitment as it is i'm sure in a lot of industries but we've um We've been quite lucky in the last few years that, you know, our, our teaching capacity is, we're always there. We're always just about full. So uh, <laughs> Reading, Reading must be doing something all right in, in getting getting teachers uh, attracted here. Um, and just just sort of, I guess, just to just to kind of finish off, we'll go back to that sort of kind of COVID thing, which I guess is going to be around for for a long time. I just wanted to ask you, as sort of a teacher yourself, what um, over this period, you've, I imagine, and I, I, we've not spoken about this before, but I imagine uh, you you you've done it. You've changed a lot of practices. You've done you've done a, done a lot of probably hangout learning sessions like we're doing now. Um, what sort of things would you take forward into a new school year? As if you were sort of sort of starting from absolute scratch yourself and just going right i've done a load of stuff over the last five months with my with my classes what what things would you take forward into this sort of i hate to use this phrase but this new world or new normal it's funny, it's funny you say it. when the first uh, lesson did via microsoft teams I've, I've been a teacher for 15 years um I felt nervous, which is very odd. Like, you know, I mean, it was it was like being a new teacher again. It was, yeah. you know, you're in school, you, you, I was in school, but obviously no kids in the classroom. I was sat at a laptop, uh, and you know, sort of your heart was beating fast like that. Fifteen years back to, to that first lesson, and then obviously you, you just got used to it. And I think um, be adaptable is, I think, which is saying when you, you're in a classroom with teachers uh, with kids in front of you anyway, um, be adaptable. It's not quite the same, obviously. Um, you know, in a class, I can say, you know said person can you answer a question if you try and do that on microsoft teams their microphone might conveniently break if they don't want to answer a question so you, you have to think new ways maybe of um, delivering the lesson so you know it, it, on via microsoft teams it's it's harder to be um mm. do an interactive lesson and you know you kid says something teacher says something so it might be delivered more in a sort of you know almost lecture style mm. um but yeah it, it, it's, it is going to be about being adaptable for you know if, if, if this hopefully doesn't stay around but if it does you have to adapt a bit how we're just thinking about those sort of those sort of zoom and and hangout lessons and stuff and teams how, how do you deal with kind of discipline like if they because you do you have do you still have the kid messing around at the back of class it, it, makes it harder for them i think um at my school it, it went very smoothly so um you, you we're generally i think other schools have done this 
if, if you know if I was teaching and you were the pupil there there'd be me as the teacher talking and I might put mm. some slides and work up and generally there'd be another teacher or someone uh, sort of administering the chat to ensure that there wasn't any sort of silly little students and I have to you know I have to and I'm sure this was the case in, in most schools um I have to praise the, the the pupils that they you know that in general they wanted to learn um and and, they, and there wasn't much of that as there is in them you know in, in most classrooms so uh yeah again being vigilant I think to, to what they're doing <laughs> Uh, Ashley, thank you ever so much for joining us. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add just before we go? Um, no, well, I will once again thank our, our schools and their leaders, which I'll never tire of saying for the, for the last, you know, obviously for all of their work for the last six months. It's been you know quite a remarkable effort from from our school leaders. So thanks again to them. Councillor Pierce, thank you very much. The big interview. Okay, well, um, it, obviously schools are going back um, and uh, there's obviously a lot of work to be done and a lot of work has already been done. Um, Rach, I think you're the only one of us with a child currently. Um, that's right, isn't it, Becky? I haven't, che I haven't checked on your, um, your, your child status for a... Still child-free. Okay, cool. Um, Rach, what's, what's Zachary up to? Is he, is he going back to... Is it, I was going to say college for some reason for a second. Um, he's... Uh, no, he's off to uni. Um, <laughs> he's very fine. Very gifted child. Yeah. He's very gifted. Uh, What's he up no, to? So he'll be starting in year one next week. Yeah. And he is back unless something dramatic happens in the next week. He'll be back. All week, five days. Do you do you know? Does it, it there any precautions? You've infinitely to take? easier. Any are there any, any precautions? Anything um, you No, I think from the school's point of view, they are. Although the whole class is now back, they are effectively bubbling as a class. So, right. um, they keep each class in their own classroom they have their own outdoor play space um i think they eat their lunch in that area as well and stuff um and then from our point of view not not a huge amount i think we have to limit the amount of stuff that he takes because previously mm. we used to look like um pack horses with like his rucksack <laughs> his reading bag pe kit coat everything so now i think he just has to take one bag yeah just to minimise the amount of stuff that is there yeah. getting touched. And then the school, I mean, to be fair, they he was there two days a week before the summer. The school were doing a great job of, you know, cleaning everything and um, putting, <coughs> excuse me, equipment into quarantine for however long, 72 hours after it had been used, um, before anyone, yeah, so I'm not... I don't even feel vaguely worried about it, to be honest, oh, which good. maybe is a bad thing. <laughs> I think good. I'm just so relieved that, you know, we can stop the childcare juggling <laughs> for a bit, at least. Well, that's, that's good news. Well, good, good luck to Zach. We'll be, uh, we'll, be, we'll be thinking of him. It did occur to me that when you said they were bubbling, I wondered if perhaps he was staying over, like they all had hammocks or something in the, in the classroom. I don't know. But, but no, that's an idea. He's coming home, I presume. <laughs> uh yeah he'll, yeah cool he'll be coming home for his tea all right well it is time for this week's random question mm -hmm. 
the random question. Uh, this week's random question. Uh, I have got the mug. Uh, so, um, week's random question is, oh, Becky, this I think is going to be right up your street. Um, we'll see what Hugh comes up with. But uh, the best gig you've seen <laughs> in Reading. <laughs> Um, I'll t- well, did, who has anybody got anything off the top of their head, or, or do you need? Oh, yeah. Go on, Becky, because you must have a list. Um, well, yeah, I probably do have a list, but um, the best one. How would I pick? Um, so, obviously, are you listening? Is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think it was my first. Are you listening? A couple of years ago, um, I saw a guy. Um, a person actually a person called Ezra Furman um I first saw them uh are you listening and have become like my favorite recording artist and that was uh South Street I think that was that's my favorite gig in Reading Ezra who Ezra Furman okay like heartbreak bangers like <laughs> every song <laughs> is fantastic heartbreak bangers yeah. like Bonnie Tyler or no, oh, not 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 quite, not quite. I'll send you a link. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> educate me. <laughs> Hugh, uh, have you got have you got anything off the top of your head? Me? Yeah. Mm. Uh, in my life, I've been to maybe three live music performances. So why only one of which was in Reading. So Okay. So that, by default. By default. <laughs> the only gig I've ever been to in Reading was Reading Festival <laughs> the Saturday in about two thousand and two, I think. I saw Pulp. They were quite good. Wow. And I saw a band of stroke called The Strokes, who I quite like. And they were quite good. And and the source of other bands as well, but it rained all day, and I, uh, I was I was just there for the day, and was planning to go home, but then my 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 friend said, "No, you've got to stay for the night; it'll be amazing." <laughs> and I ended up trying to sleep while soaking wet in a freezing cold, massive scout tent. Um, and I think I left at about two two o'clock in the morning and got a taxi home, and and that was a uh, that was my festival experience. Um, so. The music was quite good. The rain was not quite good, and the the tent experience definitely was not not good. And I haven't been since. So. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, but that's still <laughs> the best gig I've been to. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, what about you? Um, oh gosh, a long time ago, when I was probably about eighteen, I think. I think we've talked about this before, but they used to have really cool people play at Rivermead mm. just in Scouting the sports hall oh yeah we did go did we go to that, that did was I go to yes that? yes we did that we wasn't did. my choice oh, okay. <laughs> um, that, was, that wasn't my one um, but I saw the Manic Street Preachers there which was pretty awesome um, but I think that that was probably just pit by the prodigy <laughs> in a school (laughs) hall which to be honest i was utterly terrified at because it was really crazy but it was amazing that's that's amazing that you used to get bands like that to play at rivermead now the most exciting thing you get at rivermead is the local election count (laughs) (laughs) 
Please, I think Robbie please, Williams played there you, as it's well. It's pretty then. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a bit like um, uh, Becky. You're, you're like me. You're from Bracknell, really, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Don't tell everyone, Tom. No, no, sorry. Uh, I'll keep that keep that under my hat. We moved to to slightly uh, better, better, better area. Um, it's like when you when you look back in the history and you you discover that in the sixties and seventies and probably early eighties, some absolutely incredible bands used to play at Bracknell Sports Centre. Yeah, it like, I can't remember off the top of my head. Was it like someone of the you know the Who's ilk, someone like that? Yeah, oh, loads yeah. of them, loads of them, loads of them. Crazy. There's over over the deck over the over a couple of like sort of ten fifteen years like all of the big bands of the sixties and seventies played at at Bracknell Sports Centre, all like all of them. I made and played there. Yes, uh, in the early eighties when they were quite new. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So so it, it was strange. They all used to play sort of these these odd out of the way places and. Um, uh, it was, but it was great, um, and we just don't get that anymore, do we? Really? So, which is, which is very sad. The big band at Leisure Centre thing doesn't seem to be a thing anymore, does it? No, Let's bring it back. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Although, didn't um, not ever so long ago in the last couple of years, didn't Paul Weller play at Rivermead? I'm sure he did because we couldn't get I tickets. I, I saw the specials. I think there within the last couple of years as well. So they do, do still do stuff. It's yeah. just I think I think Sub eighty nine had a bit of a monopoly on on reasonable sized bands playing for a while as well, didn't it? Yeah, my favourite Sub eighty nine one. I think this might be my favourite gig. I think even though I didn't go to it, I think this is the thing I enjoy writing about more than the, the gigs. <laughs> I know exactly what this is going to be. This is when Public Enemy came to uh, came to Sub eighty nine and then went and they went for a curry in Reading afterwards. I think and the, the owner of the curry very savvy. Then the curry house, a very savvy man, sent us all the photos in in the, in the, uh, the morning afterwards of them and what they had to eat, which uh, we've got somewhere on our website there. What they what they feasted on after performing in Reading. Fantastic flavor, flavor and co. Nice. I saw Cast at Sub Eighty Nine a few years ago. That was good. Do you remember them from the nineties? I do. Little scouts, little scouts band. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Right. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, we'd love to hear about your favourite gig in Reading. Um, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, Becky, we've just got a bit of time to ask you about uh, indie markets and, and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. When are we likely to see one? When are we going to see you out and about again? And where can so, people go and browse your wares? So a return to face-to-face market, we've not quite figured out yet. Yeah. Um, it's proving a bit more difficult than I'd expected, but I did kind of fall into this market organising game, so learning <laughs> as I go um but we are hosting an online one on the 26th of september okay um so we're just getting some virtual stall holders together for that now um there'll be some kind of familiar faces from our face-to-face markets um but hopefully some new people too as we like to keep mixing it up is it becky is it part it is etsy isn't it your... Uh, no, so I do both for my sin. Oh, so okay. the Etsy market is um, 
yearly it's every kind of november and is sponsored by etsy right um i just organize it um kind of on their behalf um uh the indie market is all is all me oh right okay i just wondered whether with the etsy side of things i've seen in a few other towns like pop-up shops where local yeah etsy sellers can have shelves and stuff yeah, is that something that they could do in reading or there is um so within reading i know um in caversham there's the artisan handmade shop um oh, i uh, love that shop a yeah. lot of our reading etsy sellers do sell in there um and i, I think, think that's closing there. at some point though i think they're looking to branch out bigger they're currently scoping i think i want to say the Oracle. I don't get. I hope I don't get into trouble for saying that. I think they're just testing things out and seeing if they can get enough people. Um, okay. Okay. To have a shop in the Oracle, but um, Etsy-wise, so obviously I do it on the side. I've got a full-time job. I wish I could host a kind of in-person bricks and mortar shop, but at the moment that's not something I'm I'm able to do. Um, Becky, where can people go to find out more about indie markets and things that you sell yourself so we're on facebook and instagram as reading's indie market um and yeah we'll be announcing all our store holders and stuff for the 26th of september lovely stuff thank you very much um becky thank you for joining us would you be up for coming back and guest presenting again in the future i would i would it's been a lovely time good it's been lovely <laughs> to see your face it's a, it's a bit like getting the old gang back together <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think didn't did all of us once go to wokingham fireworks yes we did, we did. i think we did rachel i diff distinctly remember you being there uh, and it, i think even hugh was there i think it was, was, was yeah. what happened there <laughs> <laughs> a rare, house. it was those ones wasn't it, it was yes a rare error of judgment Ooh. from hugh there yeah um, <laughs> he went out <laughs> i clearly caved into peer pressure yes um okay <laughs> that is that is quite enough for this week we're still looking for good people to speak to someone that would make a good interviewee on the show if you have any suggestions please do get in touch via facebook or twitter if you have a moment please do give us a rating on your podcast app and if you have time submit a review um we'll be back next week for more reading podcast goodness so uh, in the meantime everybody bye, bye. bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Right, and if you know who the Loop Loop Man is. Or woman. Or woman. <laughs>